0: This podcast is brought to you by Platform Equinix. Platform Equinix provides government agencies with the global ability to digitally transform by deploying new command and control capabilities through private interconnection to mission partners, network, cloud, and other digital service providers. Learn more about Platform Equinix at www.equinix.com LP government hyphen solutions. Hello from Sony
1: San Diego. I'm Ross John Fortuna, Managing Editor of GovCIO Media and Research, recording here from FCO West 2024, where leaders are discussing the future of information, defense technology, and the broader global threat landscape. Joining me now is Sherry S. Thomas, Cyber Technology Officer and Technology Director, at U.S. Marine Corps Forces Cyberspace Command, Marine Corps Forces Space Command, and Marine Corps Information Command. Welcome. Thank you uh,
2: for having me, and thank you for letting us uh, share some thoughts uh, from what's going on within the Marine
1: Corps. We were talking before the mics got hot. Explain your titles, because I had real trouble with them. Absolutely.
2: Uh, So the first one uh, is Cyber Technology Officer and Technical Director, meaning providing uh, current operations, uh, current fight in terms of. Three commands, and I'll explain each one. Cyberspace, uh, cyber technology in terms of cyber command is the offensive and defensive cyber mission, protecting the cyber terrain, the inc- uh, the totality of the cyber terrain, which we'll discuss as we go along. The second one is a space command. Space is the outer layer, um, and everything that we are the service component to space com, uh, so... We, we have the service component to Cybercom, to Spacecom, and then the third leg is the information command, which is all of the publicly accessible information, the open source information, uh, all of the uh, news and social media information within the Marine Corps side, within the joint side, and the collaboration of all that information in terms of warfighting mission.
1: Modernization effort, Marine Corps modernization effort. What is the state of it? What does it look like going forward? What does it look like five years in the future? Correct.
2: Uh, So uh, Marine Corps network modernization is an ongoing effort. Uh, It was started a few years ago, and it is an iterative process. Uh, We are in multiple phases in terms of modernization. We are doing a unification from tactical to enterprise, Uh, and enterprise means uh, it could be industrial control systems, It could be facilities-related control systems. Tactical edge is the Marine Expeditionary Forces, uh, Marine Forces in terms of the Pacific, uh, the European theater, the Africa theater, uh, the CENTCOM theater. The disparate networks that were existing, we're going to unify that into a single mixed CENT, Marine Corps Enterprise Network. On the NIPPER on the unclassified side, and on the classified side, that's a phased approach. They're going to cut off certain networks as they become available. Now, what is network? Network is both the hardware and the software. So we're going to reduce duplicity of a lot of hardware sets that Tactical Edge users have or uh, that facilities are using. And at the same time, uh, any enterprise solutions from the uh, applications and services, which are the software side of it, uh, we'll collapse it into an, a single enterprise. So that helps in terms of identity and in terms of services that are provided. Um, we're trying to put more sensors on the network. So if there is anomalous behavior or activity, can contain that piece of the network versus
1: it becoming um, like a virus. It, it spreads. Quarantine, as we as we, have, we all learned about a few years ago. Of course, of course. You mentioned the tactical edge. Where's, you know, that is something I've been hearing a lot. Here at FCO West, what is the demand, the approach? How is that working for the, the Marine Corps to get uh, the warfighters at the tactical edge the information and the tools that they need?
2: Yes. Um, so, one of the primary uh, aspects of that is the network, the latency, the jitter, uh, how fast I can get information downstream and also bring it back upstream, ensuring their cybersecurity on this too. There is no adversary behavior and there is no anomalous behavior. The patches have to be uh, in flight and on par um, so that there is no... It, you're trying to make it as air-gapped as possible. Um, so it's the totality of all of it. We cannot do it with people. It has to be a, a people and a machine. So man on man teaming is what I say uh, because now you have to introduce artificial intelligence, machine learning, large language models. Uh, and then as we craft this... There has to have integration with existing systems, brownfield, uh, because we cannot go entirely greenfield. And the brownfield is we got to see what is the current state of various aspects of the network. Are there really old routers and switches, or are there something in the middle that is cloud-native, can be accessed based on software changes? Uh, And then the interoperability. Everybody should know about JADC2 and the component that we play within JADC2, the Marine Corps ensuring an integrated mission data fabric and having that data uh, transposed to our service partners and to our coalition allies.
1: Regarding your service partners, coalition allies, what are you sort of learning and how is the lessons learned being helped between uh, the Marine Corps and these partners on this modernization journey? Yes,
2: um, from, we'll start with the service side. Um, it helps in terms of a joint relationship between the Marine Corps and the Navy. Uh, we are seeing there are some networks that are a, a little bit different, and we're trying to figure out what is the best business-to-business relationships. Uh, primarily, I'm speaking in the impact level five as we continue to build that out. Uh, we are also doing uh, joint regional security stack migration, Uh, into a zero-trust architecture. Uh, At the same time, uh, we're trying to figure out uh, what is the network that everybody has available uh, and what are the limitations in terms of uh, low-Earth orbit, mid-Earth orbit, geosynchronous satellites, uh, cellular networks, and fixed or fiber optic. So uh, multiple areas there. And then we are trying to see best-of-breed solutions. So if the Army or the Air Force has some tool or uh, system How can we come on to that or uh, from a cybersecurity side? If there are some uh, authorities to operate, uh, instead of reinventing the wheel, uh, how do we do reciprocity, right? Should take the information from there and tweak it uh, to make it Marine Corps centric, uh, but not do the whole package again. Then uh, protection is the RAISE platform, uh, which is uh, a standard that we're setting in terms of continuous monitoring continuous atos uh, continuously protecting the network um, and so uh, multiple different areas in terms of sensors that we're trying to put on the network uh, I am uh, a big uh, proponent in terms of electromagnetic interference electromagnetic spectrum the footprint that we're putting onto to a base or a ship or uh, a site that isn't adversary target that we're trying to uh, figure out. So network resiliency.
1: Well, to that end, this stuff is changing every day. The, 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 the speed of change is as fast as it has ever been. So how do you sort of evolve to face those threats? Like you said, these are pretty serious targets for adversaries. So that's for cybersecurity way, I should say. Yes. Um,
2: so the primary operations is to be threat-informed. And when I, we are threat-informed, we have to make sure the acquisition strategy matches. a contracting strategy matches, and the pace of technology matches too. Uh, there's three areas that I look at in terms of alignment of what the force needs and how we can provide it. The velocity of that fielding, uh, and then uh, what are we getting rid of? Because you keep adding more and more layers to the network, it becomes very complex for the user. I don't want. I want to get rid of uh, 250 page. Training manuals. Nobody uses that for uh, your smartphone uh, or your uh, setting up your home network. We shouldn't be doing that uh, for a new marine coming in or a uh, new individual coming into a service. So I'm looking across the dot mil pf, the doctrine, the organization, the training. Uh, so the material is one of the aspects, but that material has got to stretch across the personnel, the logistics, and the
1: facilities. When you have more uh, digital natives coming into service, does that help? Does that hurt? And, again, we've heard a lot about talent, recruitment, retaining. Is that helping in the modernization world? Digital modernization, uh, to a degree, the personnel are helping. Now we're trying
2: to make them di- digitally literate, which means cyber hygiene, cyber posture, what you should be doing. And this, I go back to that Marine Corps Information Command how much you're putting out in terms of social media, when you put out a picture, when you put out a post, when you put out information, and now the collection of multiple different sources of information can stitch together a product. Then I also worry about classification of that information, right? How much is the adversary able to see? And how much can they put a stitch together a picture and saying, this is what the Marine Corps is doing or going after? So look at that.
1: Now that becomes a cyber problem. So, Well, I was going to say that that you've lead me into the AI conversation because there's all this data, there's all these things, like you said, social media, things like that. No longer do you need to have somebody uh, putting it all together. You can have machine learning do that. How do you see that as a threat, as a hindrance, as a help, all all the above? Machine learning uh, is an all-the-above problem because you have to look at
2: if there are adversaries that are injecting into the code and... Tweaking it. So uh, the analogy that I make is to a five year old kid, right? You give them a certain set of information and they behave based on that. That's the same thing with AI technology. Whatever you feed in, garbage in, garbage out. Good stuff. My favorite phrase, yes. So but we have to figure out what is good too, right? The totality of more information, less information. Uh, who to trust more and who to trust less, the weighting of the AI factors, the large, uh, the LLMs. Uh, so we're trying to be data-driven, but at the same time, we're trying to figure out what is the totality of all the data, too, right? What if you're missing data sets or uh, from tactical systems or endpoints, either because there's no network availability or uh, there is injection of a lot of garbage or wrong information, then the AI is going to go the wrong way, too. Now you reduce the confidence of the AI and they're going to present back to an individual fly left when you should be flying right, for example.
1: Yeah, and that, that helps no one, I imagine, except people who want uh, the Marine Corps to have uh, those kinds of problems. Stepping back a little bit, you talked about uh, authentication and, and obviously zero trust is something that, again, another thing you hear a lot about. Um, how is zero trust going hand in hand with the modernization effort on uh, the network? Sure. Uh, it is going definitely hand in hand uh,
2: because it's it, it layers on the data side, it layers on the network side. These are pillars of zero trust. User side is the the user behavioral, the user analytics. Uh, what can we can do on endpoint security management? That starts the process. At the tail end, you have the security incidents and response management, orchestration, uh, event management. But at the middle there is the network, the analysis of the network, constantly monitoring which pipes are on, which pipes are off, uh, how is the information being traversed, is something getting contained too much? Uh, and then uh, the middle pillar has data. So the confidence and the availability of the, all the data. Um, do we have it all in a data mesh or a data fabric? Uh, versus single individually uh, stovepiped sets of data that we cannot, the data needs to be able to talk to each other, not the individual needs to figure out, hey, I need to send to X, Y, Z. The data should be metadata tagging and uh, data particles are at the particle level that figures out who needs to get what set of information. So I say data producers. We all produce data, pictures, videos, uh, data, chats, who wants to consume it? That that sh- should not be a push-pull between individuals because well, if I send a message, I might be omitting, for example, X, three or four people that should be receiving or has gained access to it. Now the system needs to figure out based on zero trust, does the individual need access or not?
1: Yeah, that's fascinating, especially in, in the in the modernization um, conversation because, you know, the, the, there are so many – points where these, that could go off the rails, such as it were. And I, I'm sure that's uh, something that, that keeps you up at night. And uh, thanks so much for doing this with us. Thank you. And uh, thanks for having
2: me. Uh, big space here. Uh, I'm looking for vendor solutions, academia solutions, uh, and also to get the word out. Uh, so these are these second and third order conversations beyond my conversation.
1: Sure. Of course. No, and hopefully we keep
0: these conversations going. GovCast, along with HealthCast and CyberCast, is a production of GovCIO Media in Research. To explore our content, visit our website, GovCIOmedia.com. Keep an eye out for new episodes every Tuesday. And if you like what you heard, leave us a review on the podcast platform of your choice. Have a topic you want us to discuss? Contact us at newsletter at GovCIO.com.